Hey, this is Carleone. And this is Logan. And you're listening to The Manifest. And this is our newest episode. What's going on, everybody? This is Carleone. And you're listening to The Manifest Podcast. Today, we're going to be uh, taking a, a listen to uh, the message preached by Matt Tuttle at Hyphen Conversations uh, of HYC, uh, SoCal HYC. Uh, it's going to be uh, another installment of our breakdown series, starting a new one. I think this is especially cool. Um, I really liked it. I was there for it. I helped, um, you know, orchestrate it. And um, I think it was a really great message about uh, ministry, relationships, uh, things like that. Things that, you know, we try to talk about a lot on this podcast because uh, that's the age and the phase of our life that we're going into. So let's go ahead and turn this on. I've actually... Uh, fast forward a little bit uh, to get past some of the preliminary stuff. Let's go ahead and listen to it, and then I'll break down the parts that I find interesting and things like that. So here we go. So we would have, usually we'd have tongues interpretation. And so tongues went forth, and someone spoke in tongues, and then this lady stood up and said, Thus saith the Lord, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. <laughs> and that was funny. <laughs> I was just, there's so many, I could, we could write a book, but uh, that was a great one. Now, um, as young adults, this is probably the, if not the first question you ask yourself once you turn 18 or, or 21, whenever you come to this kind of realization or pivotal point in your life, it's probably the number one thing is, you know, what is the will of God for my life? What's the purpose for my life? But the second one is, who am I supposed to marry? Right. And so there's Important this question. phrase that kind of goes about that people throw around that says, you know, when am I going to find the one? Right. And so we know you have been happily married to uh, a wonderful woman for a very long time. And so how did you know that your wife was the one? Right. I think, honestly, uh, this question for this group is probably the most important question. Um, probably the question we, we could, should invest the most amount of time into because it really is where you are in life. Um, the next big move, the most important move, if, and I'm assuming each of you have been filled with the Holy Ghost and made a decision to live for God, but following that decision is the decision of who you will marry. And um, so, and you can get it wrong. And, and nobody wants to say that, but I've seen great people, great guys. I had great friends. And they married the wrong girl. I had great, I went to Bible school with great girls and married the wrong guy. And it's just the truth. And Michelle and I will be driving down the road and we'll say, man, if they would have just married so-and-so. And I know you're not supposed to say that, but we've all thought that. We've all been Definitely like, oh, if he would have married her, they would have been amazing. And, uh, and we all laugh, but you don't want to be that guy. And you don't want to be that girl. And so how is it avoidable? That's the question. Is it avoidable uh, to where you say, uh, I'm linked up with somebody that is an unbeliever. And see, Paul says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And we always interpret that to be, don't marry uh, a sinner. Hmm. But I believe it's different. I take that another level in what I teach my young people in my hyphens, is that you're not to marry someone that is an underbeliever. What I mean by that, and what I think Paul even means with this, is that you should marry somebody at the same faith level. Just the fact that they go to church is not enough. That's the first point. Um, wow. <clears throat> I think sometimes 
and I can, I mean, I guess I can only really speak from personal experience, but you do have that moment where you are trying to decide whether you want to date or marry someone. And it's someone who checks off a lot of boxes as far as things you want in a person, but then you get to the, the church part, you get to the relationship with God part. And like he said, just not, just going to church is not enough. That's not the same thing as having a personal, personal relationship with God. And, um, that's not the same thing as someone being equally yoked as you. And so, like you said, that doesn't mean just don't marry a non-believer or, uh, someone like that, but also you want to be careful about marrying believers who, um, are not quite, uh, who, who won't complement and match your strengths and, uh, where you are in your relationship. So, I mean, you marry someone who comes to church just because they are obligated to or they feel like they have to, that's definitely going to reflect in your relationship. So, um, yeah, definitely be careful with those things because they could check all the other boxes that you want. They could have a great job and be a really nice person, blah, blah, blah. But I think there's a hierarchy of things, not just a checklist. There needs to be a hierarchy of things that you are willing to accept and things that you are willing to accept. And I think that not having a relationship with God or not having one equal to yours is definitely should be super high in your list. So uh, let's keep listening here. That makes sense. And so expounding on that further, the way that I knew my wife was the one was obviously she was smoking hot. <laughs> I mean, that was a major requirement for me. And so... I needed to be physically attracted to her, and I was. But attraction is not the sign that she's the one, because I'm going to be honest with you, before I was attracted to her, I had been attracted to other beautiful girls. That's true. Okay? So, so true. I don't believe that, that, well, first of all, I don't believe that, that, that love is some kind of soulmate where God says, well, I made him. I know it doesn't sound romantic. But I believe that love truly is the result of a choice you make. Hmm. So there's an attraction I had, but then I had to make a choice to pursue that attraction. And the truth is, you can be attracted to the wrong type of people, but you can prevent falling in love with them hmm. by making a conscious choice not to associate yourself with them. And so um, the, what, I did, what I did is I did not trust me. I didn't trust my, when I was in y'all's position, the attraction, the eros, love, the, the lust, the heartbeat, the flutters, uh, that, that feeling, I didn't trust it. Is it cool? Yeah. Do I still get it? It's great. It's a great thing to have. But I sure don't want to make a decision with my heart rate at 150, my palms sweaty, and Amen. make a life choice in that condition. So what did I do? My, here's, my, here's what I did. You don't have to do it, but it worked well for me. I've been married uh, 15 years. I've got four kids, and I'm very happily married. Matter of fact, I'm here today in large part because of my wife. And um, she really, really uh, is, other than God, the person that's had the greatest influence on me in my ministry. So I did it by having, I had what I called a, a, a three-vetoed system. Hmm. And I gave... Three people, which one was my father, my, the other was my pastor, and then my very best friend. They had veto power over my relationship. They could say no to me 
without explanation, without reason, just on their feeling. And I promised them before I got there, I promised them I would break up with them within two weeks. Hmm. Now, that's radical. Interesting. But that's how much I trusted those people. And I needed to trust people that their hearts weren't pounding. They weren't in uh, attraction mode. They only cared about me. They didn't care about her. They cared about me. And so those three people were my yes. And when I got three yeses, I knew I would have the one. Hmm. And so... Um, the next question is, well, did they veto anyone? Because <laughs> the true test of your submission and the true test of your life is when you, when you submit yourself to no's. When somebody, if you don't have somebody in your life that can tell you no unequivocally, then you really are not going to be successful in life. So you have to have people in your life that you trust. I mean, we can all surround ourselves. We can all ask. We all know who we need to ask if we want a yes. Hey, dude, what do you think? Should I marry her? Oh, bro, you got to marry her, man. She right. is awesome. You Hold know, on, me, I mean, I, but I think that's a very interesting point that he made. We know the people that are going to say yes to us. Are those the people that we're asking for long term, big, serious relationship or life altering advice? I think sometimes we need to step back and evaluate the people that we're asking uh, our opinions or asking their opinions for, um, especially with the, the, the type of things that we're asking. You know, you're asking that friend, uh, you know, should I get Subway or should I get McDonald's? You know, and you know that they know you love Subway, so they're going to say Subway. That's fine, right? You know, for, some, for most people, that's, that's okay. But asking that same person who knows what you like and what you want, but not necessarily, uh, you know, bringing up the fact of the things that you need. You ask them about a certain relationship. You might be in some trouble there because that person could say uh, yes, just based on the fact because they know that's what you want to hear. If you want to date that girl, if you want to date that guy and you have some type of system in place like uh, like he does and you go to those people who you know are going to say yes. Then you. Uh, you're not really asking any anyone's real real opinions. You're looking for confirmation for what you've already decided. And so it doesn't really make any sense to already decide something and then to ask for advice or ask for help. That's the thing that I, I it frustrates me the most when people come to me asking me for advice, for help, and I can tell they've already made up their mind. I'm just sitting there thinking, well, what are you wasting my time for? You've already made your mind up. There's no need to call me or text me or, or get me on the phone. Because you've already made your decision. And so I think uh, we all need to be careful with, I mean, I'm talking about me as well. Like, I need to be careful with the people that I'm asking, uh, you know, opinions for, especially with what that opinion is or what it's, what, what it's based around. Um, I'm not going to go ask, you know, my high school friend that doesn't go to church, doesn't that, that doesn't go to church, doesn't, that type of person doesn't really belong in a conversation to be had about my spiritual welfare or, uh, what type of woman I, I should marry because the type of ideology that they have is going to be very different than the one that the one that you need to be asking. Um, I mean, to be answering those type of questions that you have. And so, like he said, he picked his father, his best friend, his pastor. Great picks. Um, if you're looking for people to to ask people who aren't just going to say yes, you know, at least two out of those three are not just yes men. So I would say. Uh, when you're looking for someone uh, to be a part of your account accountability list, I would say reach out to those type of people, your pastor, those who have uh, 
those who are who have authority over your life already, you know, your friends, your pastors, you know, assistant pastors, father, you know, uncles, those type of people who already have authority over you, um, you know, and whatever walk you're in. Uh, but those who you can give you who you can trust to give that added power to. So, um, yeah, be on the lookout for for good people to get advice from, not just people who are going to say yes and tell you what you want to hear. So that was a really great point he made. So, you know who to ask if you want to know it was right. And so I did. I, I dated some other girls um, and they uh, I remember I got a, a yes, yes. And then I got a no from my pastor. Wow. And I thought, and she was, I thought she was it and, uh, really did, but, uh, I didn't marry her and today she's not living for the Lord. Wow. I, I lucked out. I would have married her had it been me. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? But I had one no. And then I had another one where it was no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> to get some of those. And what's amazing about her is my dad, I remember he said, she's a good girl, Matt, um, She's going to live for God. What I loved, of course, I was raised very poor. We didn't have anything. I mean, I was a missionary's kid, and we had, uh, I got to eat chocolate Rice Krispies on the weekend. Like, that was my special thing, you know. We, it was amazing. Um, but this girl, man, her dad was loaded, had a business. She had, like, a convertible. And I was like, yeah, you know, like, I mean, what up? I'm into this girl. So she's loaded. She's beautiful. I'm driving this convertible. Things are great. And my dad's like, she's a good girl, but you will always live uh, under her father's thumb. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, if that's what you want, if you want to live in that state next to mom and dad, he said, but I feel like your ministry and calling is greater. And um, and so he said, I wouldn't. And so and then uh, my friends were like, my friend was like, you know, it's same kind of thing. Well, today she's doing great. She lives for God. uh, But her husband works for her dad. (laughs) And they live next door to mom and dad. Is that mm. bad? No, he's a great guy. He's very, very happy. He's very successful, makes a lot of money. They're very, very successful. That's a good thing. But had I married her, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Right, right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So finally, when I, when I met, as we're calling it, the one, obviously the attraction was there. Uh, I didn't wait. Don't wait a long, long time. It don't take long for your mom or dad to know if this is the right one. Because mm-hmm. the longer you go, the harder it is to break it off. So That's very I, true. Uh, I uh, m- met Michelle at North American Youth Congress in Nashville and uh, introduced her to my family and to my pastor and friend rel- relatively quick. And I'm going to tell you, my, my, my family, my pastor, my friends were like, if you don't marry her, you're an idiot. <laughs> this, this is the right one. She's the one for you. And I know that's putting a lot of credit and, and, and a lot of uh, emphasis on others. But scripture says in the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. It says plans will fail you because you didn't seek somebody's advice. Mm. So the greatest thing you have, obviously you have the Holy Ghost. But I'll be honest with you, and this might sound sacrilegious. When I'm in that place, I didn't even trust my Holy Ghost. I trusted my pastor, I trusted my dad, and I trusted my friend. Wow. Okay? So have somebody like that. And it'll... It'll make a big, make a great uh, impact. Thank you. Make it to do. I also had, and I, I teach my young people, and I'm, I'm a proponent of it. Having, have your list, you know, have your list. 
the must and the likes, you know, must live for God, must uh, have a prayer life. If you're called to the mission field, you know, and that's where I come back to the underbelieving thing. Look, if you have a call to the mission field, and I remember um, one thing I would do is I, when I was dating a girl, you know, I'd say, uh, uh, well, one thing I feel like I'm going to do is probably be a missionary to Africa, and we're going to live in a hut. I said, because I don't want to, you know, I, and I would be very serious. And I checked a lot off the box right there. Hmm. Just like a lot of them just like, I don't know if that's what I feel. But when you find the one, you know, what, I'm, what I mean by that, and that was me being a little stupid. But if I feel called to missions, I shouldn't marry somebody that, that doesn't want to travel. Does that make sense? If I feel called to pastor or if I know that God is calling me to a place of extreme sacrifice, then I, I can't be linked up with somebody that's life is linked to. Uh, they, they've got to have, you know, uh, 3,500 square feet, uh, white picket fence, a boat, a jet ski. Does that make right, sense? Right, right. I'm not saying those things are wrong or those things are bad things to aspire to. I'm just saying if you are called to do business and you're, you feel like God is calling you to own a business and be a, a multimillionaire, and you're going to have to give yourself to that business. Don't marry someone, some, some, some girl or some guy that's wanting to be in ministry full-time in the pulpit hmm. because you're going to be frustrated together. Does that make sense? Yeah. Both of those are admirable things to aspire to, but do not limit yourself or put yourself in a frustrating situation to where you are linked with somebody that doesn't have a common goal or destiny. You know what I mean? So I know that's a long answer to a, perhaps what have, can have been a brief uh, to answer, but I, I think it's so important for where you guys are. You got to marry the right girl, guys. Girls, you got to marry the right guy. And I always say, when I'm when I'm got when I was girl shopping, I didn't shop the back row. I, I wanted a girl that that was more spiritual than me. Why do I have to marry somebody that's below me? I'm gonna find somebody that prays more than me, that worships more than me. Wow. There are, there are standards that I have, holiness standards that I have today as a result of my wife that I did not have. My wife has made me more spiritual. Matter of fact, you want, can I stay here? Okay, my wife is, is amazing. I, when, I, when I married my wife, well, when I started dating my wife, I said, I want to I be a preacher. That's what I feel like God's calling me to be. And uh, uh, I said, but I don't, I can't, because literally to hold a mic, I'd like beat my, I was like shaking so bad, you know, and, um, and, and I, I couldn't hold a thought. I was just, I didn't have it. So I was like, I want to be a great preacher. And, and uh, so she said, okay, well, um, I'll help you because she, she had done uh, dramatic monologues to crowds of 30 up to 40 and 50,000 people she'd spoken to. So she was great in front of people, had a great uh, great education, articulate, well-spoken, and, um, and so uh, I remember the first time she heard me preach, she had, she had like this notebook, and she opens this notebook-like thing, and she's like writing the whole time I'm preaching, and I'm thinking, whoa, I mean, like, I must be imparting deep words of wisdom into this, this, this chick, like, she's like receiving the word from me, I mean, like, wow, you know, this is amazing, I'm so awesome, I'm just amazing, I'm a legend, and, uh, <laughs> Uh, so anyway, we get in the car afterwards and, uh, she opens up her notebook and I'm like, oh wow, she's about to, you know, and she said, okay, the first thing you did is you never stood still. The second thing you did is you scratched your head too much. You said, amen, like 47 times you did. <laughs> and I'm like, and of course then I start justifying everything. I'm like, well, there's right, a reason right. I did that, that, And finally she like closed her book. She said, if you're going to justify everything you do wrong, I can't help you. Hmm. 
and we was just dating. <laughs> yeah. I like that, though. It's gotten worse. I like that. But, uh, and so I, I did. I, I took what she, and to this day, to this day, every, pretty much every message I preach, it goes by her. I, I, I type my sermons word for word. She reads over them. She uh, will change things. She'll speak things. And so she's a major part of my ministry. And, uh, and I want to stop right there as well. Um, I think for people who are, who are in ministry are going to be in ministry. <clears throat> I think it's so important that you find a partner who's willing to minister with you not just be a stay-at-home wife and watch the kids and rear the kids and that's it, like, take care of the home. I think you need someone to get in the trench. I mean, of course, there's a time and place for all of those things, right? But I think you need, just like he was saying, you need to get someone who's going to be in the trenches with you, who's going to help you develop, become a better preacher, a better minister, a better leader, a better father, all these things. If you are so focused on doing your own thing and having her do her own thing, how can you teach each other anything? And so how can, you, how can she make you be a better person? And how can you make her be a better person? And so, like you said, you want to take constructive criticism. You want to be open to listening. And, and like his wife said, if all you're going to do is, is try and combat what I'm trying to say, then there's nothing I can do for you. And I feel like if people have that spirit where they feel like no one can teach them anything, even their wife, and if these uh, these these young guys out here who are, uh, thinking like, what what can a woman teach me? What can a woman who's not a speaker or a minister, what can she teach me about life? I'm telling you, if you have that type of mindset, you're going to miss out on a lot of things because uh, the Bible talks about how a woman is supposed to be your complement. And so if you reject all of everything she's trying to tell you, then you won't be complimented. And so, you know, I always say you're better half. Yeah, that's exactly the truth. They're trying to help you and you're trying to help them. But if you're not willing to listen or accept that help, you're going to be in a world of trouble. You're going to be worse off than you were. Than you are. So, um, yeah, I, I say definitely find someone who's willing to speak into your life and to tell you the truth and to be honest with you, even if it hurts, even if it's something you don't want to hear. Look for someone who's willing to speak into your life and teach you something and to continue on that journey with you um, so, as you develop and grow as a minister, as a person, whatever it is. So. Let's listen to a few more minutes of this, and then we'll be done here. Uh, and we're going to do probably, it looks like I have to do two two or three parts of this. So let's go ahead and break down a little bit more, and then we'll get, we'll get out of here. I married the right girl, and that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. So uh, I want to just, just tell all the young ladies, find a young man. If I was a girl looking for a guy, wanting want some dude on the back row, let me tell you, if he's too cool hmm. to give God praise, the dude that bled died for him, <laughs> he ain't going to love you. Hmm. He ain't going to love you. He's going to be ashamed of you. If he's ashamed of God, come on. You don't want to fool around with that stuff. And let me tell you guys, if she's afraid of the holiness standard and she's ashamed of it, and she's ashamed to live right and dress right for the God hmm. that died for her, she ain't the one for you. Amen. Yeah, All right. I guess, I guess this is a kind of a good leeway that we're talking about how your wife was just such a pivotal part of your ministry. I guess the next question is, is how did that ministry start? How did my um, ministry start? How, was it a process over time where you hit with lightning from heaven? Right. How, what was it? Yeah. How did you know like you were called for this? 
I think all of us have had a moment we were hit with lightning, right? Like we've had those God, I mean those intense, I think you have to have divine God moments. You have to have memories that sustain you, you know, like, man, I remember that, you know. Uh, you can't live off of them. They're like consistently, you can't live consistently high. Uh, okay, he's about to get deep. So we're going to stop it there. Um, I hope you guys are, I hope you guys enjoy this type of stuff where I just give you my thoughts and um, my feelings on these messages that I feel like have impacted my life. And again, this is from uh, uh, Brother Matt Tuttle at Hyphen Conversations, HYC 2019. Um, <clears throat> great, phenomenal speaker. He did a bunch, he spoke um, at our HYC and uh, he also spoke at the Hyphen um, uh, Conversations. And I feel like he did a really, really, really great job breaking down some of the things that we don't talk about as much. And he just kept it real. So there's a good, I guess I'd say, 20 something, 25 more minutes of this. And so uh, we'll, we'll catch it next time and we'll, and we'll break into it some more. And hopefully next time we're listening, uh, I'll have someone joining me listening to this with me and help me break it down. I think it'll be interesting, uh, the person I'll have on. Um, and so, like I say, if you want to get this message, you can find it at uh, Soka hyphen on Spotify, on Apple Music, wherever you can find your uh, podcast you can search for socal hyphen and this will probably be the third or fourth one down the list matt tuttle hyphen conversation so definitely check it out it's a great 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 uh you know message about relationships and ministry so uh thank you guys for listening i'm gonna catch y'all next time i hope y'all really enjoyed this and uh look forward to breaking down some more with y'all all right Thanks again for listening to our podcast. For more encouraging messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out past episodes. If you like what you just heard, please consider rating and sharing it with your friends. God bless and don't forget to be a hyphen.